Thank you for joining us for another episode. My name is Nell, co-founder of Femex Columbia and your host of the Venturing Voices podcast. Venturing Voices provides a platform for women entrepreneurs in South Carolina and beyond to share their story about what made them the badass leader they are today. This episode dives into the world of fashion and interior design, fields that many dream of going into. Stoey Phillips' passion for fashion began as a child and motivated her through every step of her career. When she told her parents she wished to go to school to learn about fashion rather than go to law school, they naturally questioned her decision. Undeterred, Stoey went into fashion anyway, a decision that truly allowed her to become the person she is today. Stoey remained dedicated to her passion for years while she learned as a student and interned, and her patience paid off. Recording from the Femex co-work space in Columbia, South Carolina, this is Venturing Voices. I got into fashion when I was very young. Um, my mom, you know, of course, wanted to always dress your girl up in dresses and stuff, and I tend to cut mine up and make shirts out of them. And then my jeans, I would always cut up, or I would even wear them backwards. It was a time, <laughs> these two rap boys named Crisscross used to wear their clothes backwards, and I thought it was pretty cool. So I used to do it, but it was uncomfortable, so I had to stop. Um, <laughs> and then, so that was like my journey into fashion. And then when I got older, you know, your parents are always pressuring you, what are you going to do? You got to start planning. And I thought that I wanted to go to law school. Mm -hmm. So I was going to go to law school, but right before it was time for me to go, I changed mine to fashion. And of course, you know, anytime you, your parents hear you want to do anything with arts, they're like, that you can't do anything with that. It's not a career. You can't make any money. You're always going to have to hustle. So I didn't listen. And they had to let me do me. So I went to the Art Institute in LA. So is that where you're from, is LA? No, well, you know, I say LA because that's where I kind of had to grow up. I okay. moved there when I was about, let's see, I was like 17. So I lived there until I graduated and um, it kind of got me out of my shell. Um, I was shy, and then I came out to my dad that I was gay, and I didn't tell my mom until like a year later, <laughs> which she then told me she knew. She just wanted me to tell her. My dad didn't tell her. She just kind of figured it out. So, and L.A. was like a place where I can just be myself. Right. I cut all my hair off. I've had a mohawk since then. I let my hair grow back and forth, but then I just cut it all off again. So I just kind of just like became me, became stoey, and just lived life to the fullest. And then that's what helped me really get into my fashion. Even though I went to school, a lady that I did my internship, her name was Jacqueline Giroux, she pushed me to find myself and find my design aesthetic, and um, I enjoyed it. She, she taught me a lot. I worked for her for about eight to nine years. Okay. So she's the one who pushed me to just be like, you need to be out on your own. You need to do your own thing. And she helped me. Like with all my shows, she helped me in any way possible that she could. And I just grew from there. And I did good. Like I, you know, when people say, yeah, I'm ready for this. I can do this. I mm -hmm. thought I was ready. Mm -hmm. No, it went, it was like an overnight type thing. It was like, show after show, and then orders, 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 and then you're like, oh, my God, I need a team now. Like, I can't <laughs> sew all these things. I can't answer all these calls and emails. And then really back then it was just Facebook, so. Yeah. 
Instagram probably would have helped back then, but, um, it just, it was, uh, it was a fun, a fun ride in LA. And then I, um, lived in Tokyo for about three years and that was the help of Jacqueline. She hooked me up with an interior designer there. He wanted something fresh, someone new. And so she told him about me and she asked me what I want to go. And I said, yes. So I went and stayed there for three years, which is hard, especially if you don't speak the language. Right. Thank God for Google Translate (laughs) because it helps. But then I had a translator too, so that helped. And what I did there, I helped um, them do the interior designing and the high-rise apartments. Now they call them Airbnb. So then it was just like for professional people visiting Tokyo and they needed somewhere to stay. Yeah. But he wanted each place to be different and not the same thing. Stoey made the realization early in her journey about the importance of outsourcing work to push her venture forward. She was receptive to the ideas of not only those she was working for, but her friends as well. And this allowed her to build a good team around her. It just, it kind of just happened. Like I knew I wanted to design. I knew I wanted to style. I just didn't know how or what, or even how fast it was even going to move. It just was like, I would do a fashion show and I would only do mine. I would only, it would only be me doing it. And then it was like, after the show, people wanted to know, like, where can they buy it? How, you know, do you make it in this size and this and that? And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm like, and me, I was just like, yes, I can do it. And then when you get back to your studio, you're like, oh my God, I have six orders and three of them have to be done within a week. And you're <laughs> like, are you insane? So then you start, you know, you have good friends. So they're like, hey, we know this person. She knows how to sew. This person knows, you know, she's really good with videos and things like that. So I had a good group of people behind me and helping me get there. And she definitely did because she just taught me so much for the business side as well. Mm-hmm. And then interning, so I, I learned a lot from her as well. Right. Because I end up, I grew with her because I started off like just doing sales and then I I just kept getting promoted. And then before I left there, I was her assistant designer on her dresses and all her little girly stuff. Because she did jewelry and handbags, but I did the apparel part. Okay. So that was fun. So it kind of taught me what I do and don't want. Okay. So back to Tokyo now. Yes. So now you're doing interior design and designing these cool corporate apartment Airbnbs. And that was fun because, you know, in school they teach you, oh, you got to have all these design books, these fabric swatches. And that I was just like, who wants to haul all all that around? And what if your client is not even paying attention to that book? They just know exactly what they want. So that's how I approach even now doing design, I don't, I don't have any fabric books. I don't work with a lot of furniture stores. I prefer to work with stores that are very unique and they have unique pieces, stuff that you can't really find anywhere. And, um, that's what I did there. They kind of let me have free range. I would create a design story for each apartment and they would choose from which one they want this apartment to look like. So it was almost like each apartment kind of told their own story for that person. Stoey describes herself as the spontaneous child of her family, a trait that certainly fits her career after she left Tokyo. She spent a few years in Alaska, growing her own fashion brand and enjoying the cold weather, which she loves. She then moved to New York City, where she didn't even have a job lined up. New York City is headquarters for an estimated 900 fashion companies around the world with thousands of different showrooms. It takes a lot of confidence to throw yourself into that space, and it shaped her career moving forward. 
Embracing this spontaneity motivated her to connect with others in the city, allowing her to grow her business despite not having any opportunities lined up for her at the beginning. I went went back to LA. I was in a relationship. That was a long relationship. Left that relationship and then I went to Texas for a visit for like the summer and I was just like, you know, I don't know if I want to go back to LA. But then um, I went to Alaska. My sister has two boys, and so I didn't really get to see them that much. And so I decided to go to Alaska for, it was supposed to be like a three to four months trip. Mm-hmm. It lasted for four years. Wow. So, and it's so funny because you, you hear this story, like these questions, is there any black people? <laughs> In Alaska. <laughs> or you hear like, is it ice everywhere or Eskimos and stuff, even though they do have them. But yes, there is a lot of black people there. It's actually more Hawaiian and Samoans there, surprisingly. I did not know that until I moved there, but I absolutely loved it. I love the cold. I hate the heat. I absolutely hate it. Hmm. Um, so it was fun, but Alaska, I learned, is not for everyone. And if you're not into winter sports, it is not for you. Yeah. I'm not into winter sports, but I just love the cold. <laughs> <laughs> so did you continue growing your I did. Your company? Um, I did. My fashion, yes, and my interior design, but, but it was more fashion there, which I was surprising because it's so cold. Yeah. Those girls like to be completely almost wearing nothing. Like they wear shorts and Ugg boots and, and jackets. Like their legs are always out. And what's cold to someone who's not from there it's not cold to them. So like their summers are still like in the 50s. So if you go there and you're from the South, you go in their 50s, you're like, no, I need pants on. So yeah, my fashion did really, really well, especially with like the young party girls and the college students and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I wanted more. Mm -hmm. So I decided to move to New York. Yeah. And I'm the one out of my family that'll just jump up and go. Because I'm the only one like no kids and I just have a dog. Well, I had one at the time. So he just went wherever I went. Yeah. That's a huge move. Yes. Um, you've, <laughs> that's huge. So you just were like, I'm going to New York. So yes. Did you have a job lined up? Did you no. just... <laughs> I didn't. I had, I, had, I had a nice cushion when I moved to New York. Um, I didn't even know. I had a, my best friend at the time told me, she was like, well, hey, I know someone. She's renting a room. So I was like, okay. And then me, I am like the most daredevil person. I would just jump up and go, and then I'll be like, I'll figure it out when I get there. And that's pretty much what I did. So everything kind of worked out. The first month, I was like, I don't, what, what was I thinking? I don't know no one but my friend, and she's married. So she really wasn't around as much. And I was living in Brooklyn, and I didn't really know nothing about Brooklyn. So I just was just always on a train, meeting people. And I even got. <laughs> like a part-time job because I was bored at PacSun. And I was like, why am I here with these kids? I'm like the old person in the dress room that's like, don't you think that's too short? Like, and I was like, I can't. This is like, I'm not, I can't be that bored. So then I just started going to like different fashion events and I started meeting more people. And then my brand grew there as well. So that was fun. I enjoyed that. And I started working at a um, men's um, high-end store called Aris. Um, and he is an amazing like designer. He designs everything in his store. And wow. I learned a lot from him. And this was my first time working with men. Okay. I love it. If yeah. I like if I was to do menswear, I think I would only do menswear. Really? Men are easy. Yeah. They are easy. They're just like, you know what? Especially if they wear suits all the time, you just need a jacket, a pant, and a nice button up, maybe some accessories, but they're just easy. You send them a picture and they're like, Okay, send it to me. 
they were like the, I mean, they were the best to yeah. work with. As women, as even for myself, someone style for me, they would just be like, is this all she's going to pick? Black, 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 black. With men, they're just, it's surprisingly very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I loved it. I worked there up until I moved here to Columbia. Okay. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yes, in yeah. Columbia, South Carolina. I would have never thought. You couldn't tell me that I would be living in Columbia, South Carolina. After a health incident impacted Stowe's mother-in-law, she and her wife decided it would be easiest for the two of them to leave New York and move to South Carolina to help take care of her. Making the jump from New York to Columbia, South Carolina took a lot of getting used to, but patience kept Stowe committed to keeping her brand operating from a new location. So she was out for about a year. She was in the hospital, and she did not want to stay in New York at the time. And so we were like, okay, let's just go to South Carolina, see what we can find. So we came down here, and it was really hard. We came, we were driving back and forth from South Carolina to um, from New York to try to find a place, get everything ready for her to get out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we found a house, which was horrible. It was a horrible house. <laughs> it was like it was weirdly big, and it was just horrible. We hated the neighborhood, but we had to make it work. Right. So, you know, it was hard for us because we're from New York and I've learned looking for a job here in South Carolina and you have a certain degree or you had a certain job before you came here, they do not want to hire you because they feel like, oh, she's going to leave. Or they're going to be like, we can't even, there's no point even interviewing her because we can't afford her. Right. So it was, it was a bit of a struggle at first, but you were like, you know what, we're just going to make it work. Yeah. We're going to just take anything. So we'll have to run through our savings, which we almost did. But then things just started kind of slowly but surely start coming up. My fashion took a minute, but my interior designing started happening really fast. And I loved it because there's a lot of vintage homes here. So people were very, you know, they were very interested in seeing just different aspects of furniture because your home is vintage. Doesn't mean everything in your house has to be vintage. Right. You can mix it up with a little bit modern, a little bit glam, and little, you know, antique and rust rustic um, you know, elements into the interior designing. So that I love doing. You know, my wife, she's a therapist. She was working at the prison. And then me, I'm still doing my fashion. I would say things started picking up 2019. Right. Yes. But then <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, it took this long. But then things started moving faster mm-hmm. when I met Nell and moved into Femex as my working space. At the beginning, she had to learn to adapt her designs outside of her comfort zone. She began designing things in only the color black because she felt that fit her the best. But over time, she developed an eye that would include her clients' preferences as well. Stowe also made sure her shows were inclusive to all body types and recognized those that physically created the piece. She feels as if her designs can go unappreciated within the community and wants to look out for those who feel the same way. You know, I had a lot because when I first started, I only designed in black. I mean, I only wore black. I really didn't care for color. And I think with my me, I was I, I didn't care for color because I didn't wear it. But then I had to learn like, you know what, you're designing color for your friends mm-hmm. and you like how it looks. So think of it if it was black but you're just designing color design it so that was a thing because I would always get people like oh no one's gonna wear that no one's because I don't design just for one type of person I try to design for everyone and um that was the problem because when I would do my fashion shows a good friend of mine had she was like you know your next show I want you to try to step out and actually look at your runway and I noticed that my runway was not 
It wasn't what it should have been, for as all the models looked the same. It was one shape, one height, one everything. And I will never forget that. And, she, and I was like, I was kind of blown away. And I was like, you're right. I can't keep doing this and want to be different in the fashion world. So I had to learn how to change designing and I had to learn how to change my models. And I wanted everyone to be different. So I even stand by that now. Like when I have a runway, I need to have different types of women, different body shapes, different heights. Cause I feel like that's stupid now to go really by a height. Cause I'm like, just because a girl's five foot five, she can't model. I've seen teenagers that can, a six year old who can walk better than a grown up woman who's six foot tall. And I'm like, things just have to change. I mean, I even still deal with now just doing a fashion show that I recently did. And it was a problem with me telling her that I wanted plus size models because I got an email saying there were not going to be plus size models. And I was like, wow, this is stupid. Why? This is insane. Like we're not in that way or girls couldn't have tattoos or piercing. And I'm like, this is stupid. I have tattoos. I have pierced. Like I'm plus size. Like, come on. Like, this is stupid. We got to change things and right. stuff. And so a lot of people will always be like, you're not going to change that. You can't do anything like that. You know? And I'm like, well then if I can't have what I want during my segment of a show, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. I won't do it. Or I'll just do my own. Right. And I have more control. I think that has such an impact when you stand by your values in your job, even when people are like, that'll never work. And you yes. have to conform this way to, to be successful and to do this. And, and you don't. No. Because um, to no. your point, you were like, I'm not going to do it that way. I I'm going to have the models that I'm going to have. And mm-hmm. um, I just think it takes everybody, you know, on a small scale, sticking to their values to really change the larger scope, yes. especially in fashion. And it's so crazy because I noticed even this, the show I recently did, I noticed it was more, it was more diverse than it was when I first did a show. And I was really surprised. But then I even noticed like, even though it was a lot more diverse there, the more the brown and black designers, they were all they they went down the line. They were not like in the beginning. They were always kind of last kind of thing. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, we're gonna have to mix this up. Like, and it was sucks because I felt like those designers, like these are designers. These are the people that actually they sew their things. Like these right. are not people who have stores and they can just order their stuff or have it, you know, sewn across the world and have it shipped in. Like. Like me, like I sew every single piece of thing I do, and that is not easy. No, it's not. Yeah, so I just, I just think with Fashion Weeks and, and Fashion World period, they just need to, they need to change it up. We'll be back after a short break. At Femex Columbia, we are all about supporting visual artists, and so are our friends at Flock and Rally, a fantabulous women-owned marketing and communications agency. Recently, they gave us a couple of golden nuggets of branding and PR advice to share. Very often, the difference between a sharp, polished brand or campaign and something that feels half-baked or outdated is, that's right, an investment in the visual arts. Yeah, your message is key, and that's a whole other conversation, but as digital platforms continue to grow, an experienced, savvy, creative team can convey the visual look and feel that best expresses what your organization is all about. 
that goes well beyond just having a simple logo. Great branding incorporates icons, patterns, and background elements for your website, collaterals and signage, as well as fun stuff like infographics and illustrations and guidelines for creating a consistent look for things like your Instagram stories. And what about photos and videos? Even though mobile phone cameras are pretty sophisticated these days, there's nothing like working with a professional photojournalist. These pros are skilled at capturing multiple story elements within one single frame. This can make or break a first impression. This extends to PR as well. If you provide the press with high quality photos and videos to accompany your story pitch, that can dramatically increase your chance of making it into a media story on air, in print, or online. The Flock and Rally team loves to help clients level up on their branding, and they have seen time and time again the positive business outcomes for clients who invest in the visual arts. Find Flock and Rally, yep, that's Flock like Flock of Seagulls, and Rally like a pep rally at flockandrally.com. Early in her career, Stowe's mentor gave her a small piece of advice that instilled a lot of confidence in her and her work going forward. She had to become comfortable with herself and what motivated her, and that sometimes meant putting the needs of her customers first, ahead of traditional industry practices. Of course, confidence is important in the world of fashion and design, but these practices can help anyone grow in any field. So thinking back to your to your mentor, um, the stigma of being in the fashion world mm -hmm. and you know, um, devil wears Prada and, you know, oh, yeah. women aren't supporting other women mm -hmm. and everyone's, you know, clawing over each other to get to the top. Yes. Talk about how your mentor, um, worked with you and what had the most impact on you from a leadership perspective. I've always had like issues with my self-esteem and I always felt like, like even at like a, at the end of the, like a finale walk, I would never come out. I would always wave because that was just me dealing with my body issues. So she taught me, she was like, we need to see more women of your color, of your size to just come out and own it. Like you don't, just because you're a designer and your models might be a size two, don't mean that you, you have to be that way. So I had to kind of learn and overcome to just be myself and just let it be. I can do a collection with a bunch of color and beading and just something very beautiful, but then I come out looking like I just stepped out of Marilyn Manson video. Mm -hmm. So people would be like, <laughs> she designed that? So, and it was almost like at first I would be like, yeah, like I did, but then I was just like, yeah, like you can't take it as an insult. It's just like almost like a compliment, like, wow, I was not expecting that from her. She gave me good advice for us, like, don't be afraid to do certain things. Don't be afraid to design a certain way because you don't have to follow what every other person is doing. I don't design by season. I just design. Like, because I feel like it's hot one place and it's cold one place. So you never know who might come into your space looking for a jacket or a swimsuit, even in winter. Because People are running from the snow if they don't like it, and they're going to Mexico or whatever. So you never know what your client or what your future client might need. So that's kind of what she taught me is to design how you feel in that moment instead of what season or what 
or people or even color um, forecasts that they do. I don't really go by it. I'm just like, look, I'll just design a bright orange dress. Somebody will like it. Somebody might not, but it's something there for someone. Stowe is surrounded by a team of interns, a position that she once held at the opening of her career. She uses this personal experience to shape how she treats her interns today. I did an intern before I got with Jacqueline Giroux, and it was horrible. Like, they did not care about, they would just have you do the most stupidest thing. And I'm like saying to myself, this is not why I came here. I came here to learn. Not like, I get go get your coffee. Okay, fine, I'll go get it. But can you show me something else of what I went, what I'm going to school for right now? So I've always said that I would never want to do that. Like I, I tell them when they, when they're like, well, so what am I going to be doing? I'm sure they're thinking they're going to go get my coffee and do all this stupid stuff. No, if you're stopping at Starbucks, okay, yeah, grab me one too. Right. But I'm not going to be like, go get my Starbucks, go order, order me some fries from Nell. Like, no, <laughs> no. Like if you're going down there, yes. But I've always said to just treat them like human beings. Even now when they're doing things for me or even on their email, do not put intern on your signature because some people do not take you seriously because they feel like, oh, she's an intern. She doesn't know. Right. But, and it's so funny because when I tell them that they're like, what? Yes. Your name is not intern. Your name is your name. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, I always tell them you don't work for me. We work together you know, because you can't have a, you can't just call yourself a team and you're saying, oh, this person works for me. You work together because I can't, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be getting done if it was not for you. Mm -hmm. So yes, my team is, they're fun, they're younger. So it's almost like a growing thing. They're teaching me and I'm, I'm teaching them. Yeah. Like, I don't know nothing about TikTok and I'm <laughs> like, I do the basic. I can't, I'm not going to be doing that jumping and skipping and flipping around with clothes. And so I let them do that. Mm -hmm. So they, they have helped me a lot with, you know, just different ways to brand and then to show your designs. Cause I am not a video person. I don't like to get on there and start talking about myself. Even this, I'm like <laughs> bunching my nails into my palm of my hand cause I'm nervous, but it's a, it's a growing thing to get out of your, your shyness. Yeah. And I, like, <laughs> this was my first podcast, um, <laughs> you know, when I started doing this uh -huh. and I mean, over every interview, it's gotten better and more comfortable and, um, like the flow is better in conversation yeah. and yeah. So sometimes it just takes practice and, mm -hmm. and I mean, you're such a confident, amazing woman. Thank you. But I can honestly say like, since I've been here, I don't think I've talked about myself more in my life until I came in here. Cause people come in and then I'm just like, Say come in. I'm saying it to myself. Yeah. Come in. Come in. Hi. Hi. What are you doing? Yeah. So um, it, it's this has been an amazing space. Yes, I am glad that I did not go to one of those glass buildings because I would have been <laughs> bored out of my mind. Though she has found success in so many different locations around the world, Stoey is still dreaming of how she can continue to make her mark in Colombia, where she currently lives. Relocating so many times could have driven her away from following these passions, but she remained dedicated to making it work in each place she found herself. I don't want like a, you know, a building. I want like, you know, a house, like your, your house here, you have FEMEX is so inspirational because I, I like vintage homes. I like things with different, you know, um, feels of and each room in this house is different. And I said, oh my God, if I found something like this, I know exactly what room is going to be, what room, what they're going to do in that room. So mm -hmm. I do want a nice fashion house where I have a team and it's, you know, it's building jobs and, you know, inspiration for young people that actually want to be in this, in this fashion world, because it is not easy. Right. 
it is not easy. I mean, I have had ups and downs, up and downs, but each time I've had to get back up, it just made me a stronger designer. So I see myself 10 years from now, hopefully before then, to have a nice fashion house with an awesome, awesome team. Yeah. To just kind of us all grow together. Stowe knew that fashion and design were things she was passionate about from an early age. Even when the road gets tough, that passion allows her to continue to venture. You know, I love it too much. I, I wake up, I have sacrificed a lot. <laughs> I mean, even though I'm married now, I know it's sometimes hard for my wife because I want to wake up and go. Mm-hmm. I want to just design all night through the night. I mean, I have even have a home office. So when I get home, I try my best not to go in my home office. But it's so hard because you think of something like, you know, me in my head, you know, it is crazy up there. So if I think of a a design or something that I want to do, I have to hurry up and sketch it. Or if I have a branding idea, I need to just go ahead and get it done now. So it is hard, you know, but I, I would tell anybody, if you have a passion for anything, just do it. It's going to be hard. It is not going to be easy. But at the end of the day, it all pays off. If you just continue to work hard at it, and especially if you have a good, you know, support system behind you, you'll be fine. What's coming up for you? What What are you excited about? Well, I'm excited because I'm putting on my own show for the first time since I left LA. Um, it's going to be here at FMX at October in October this month, October 23rd. Um, I'm really excited about it because it's very in- inspired by Coco Chanel when she did her shows in her um, in her flat, and um, it's just going to be just very beautiful and very intimate because I feel like now with fashion shows we keep seeing the same thing: the girl going up and down and that's it and then sometimes they go by so fast you can't really get a good viewing on the designs so with this one with each room the girls are going to be walking through each room to give you know um the the fashion lovers more of a closer up view of each piece and it will transition to outside as well so it's going to be a nice little beautiful intimate viewing of a fashion show so I'm excited about that. And then after that, I'm going to think I'm going to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long, it's been a year. It's been like fashion show, fashion show, fashion show. So I've even had to turn down a couple of fashion shows because I'm just like, I just need to take a break now. Yeah. Just, just sew and just, you know, build, build my, my studio space. Yeah. Sometimes yes. we have to do that and recharge. Yes. Yes. I, I need to be recharged before I'm divorced. <laughs> Joey Phillips for opening up and sharing her story on Venturing Voices. Remember that you too are a badass and capable of getting shit done in your community. If you are interested in learning more about our community, Femex Columbia, you can check out our website or follow us on social media. Thank you to our sponsors for helping make this podcast possible. And make sure to subscribe and tune into future episodes with more badass women from South Carolina. Once again, I'm Nell and thank you for listening to Venturing Voices.